This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, Anna Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club I've recorded 11 minutes and 42 seconds of audio so far. Yeah, it's good It's good stuff, too. It's all keepers. It's all me just cursing at my fucking iPhone. Um, it makes sense to me what? that God should have chosen to make us wait a little bit longer to talk about this book that we have been waiting so long to talk about. Yeah, I feel like we've been we've been looking at this like image. We've had this image in our head of this shorn short-haired Marianne for so long. Dangerous Marianne. Yeah. And we we've always wondered like that's not the Marianne I know. Not my Marianne. That's not my not not all Marianne's. And here we are. We've finally we've been exposed to her. I know, and it was it was it was worth the wait. And of course, of course, and tapped Pete Laurentius. Oh, oh Pete. You know, <laughs> this book was resplendent Ugh. with Pete's humor. Yeah. I could just I knew I could immediately. feel Pete dancing around these pages like a little joke nymph. Yeah. It's not just his humor, it's his oh, eloquence. It is me, <laughs> Pete Larangis. I am here to punch up your jokes. Oh. And Oh, and also his lyrical prose. Yeah. Pete Larangis, what a what a fucking talent. And what a great book this was. It had everything. It was a good book. I mean, it's 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 hard to go wrong when you've got the super duo of Martin and Larangis yeah. on the case. It's perfect. Um, yeah, if you have a problem, call Martin and Larangis. They will sort shit out for you. Right. Need a children's book? Yeah. Martin and Larangis are on the task. <laughs> Jackie. Yep. Before we begin, mm-hmm. why don't you explain to Baby Nation what's happening right now? Here's the thing that's happening. I am calling you from Austin, Texas. Whoa. Whoa. Is that a slight accent I hear in your yeah. a slight southern drawl I hear? Oh, also, I want you to call me Tex from now on. I'm not comfortable with that. I think that's what everybody who is worth anything here in Texas, where I'm about to live, uh-huh. goes by Tex. I want you to call me York from now on. No, that's not very good. Because everyone here who lives in New York, <laughs> where I continue to live, uh-huh. they, they all go by York. All right. What about Brooklyn. Nah, York. I guess it's a girl's name, York. Yeah, I don't know. It sounds like something out of like a Shakespeare history play. It's well, I don't good. have a cool nickname because I'm not moving to a cool state. All right, well, I'll continue to call you Tanner until you get one, and you can start calling me Tex. I'm just gonna keep calling you Jack. Fine, just try it out a couple times. Okay, but yeah, Baby Nation, this doesn't affect you as much as it affects me and Tanner. Um, but I'm moving to Texas. Jack is moving to Texas. I'm staying Hence- in New York. Yeah. Jack has a cool new job in Texas, and I have my same cool job in New York. <laughs> we still work for the same company. Jack's just going to work for a different office of the company. Yeah. And it sucks, I'm... and I hate it, and I think you will probably all hate it too, Baby Nation. Yeah, but we're going to continue. We're going to continue with our friendship. Right, we'll see. And we're going to continue with this, our hit podcast. We'll see, man. Maybe it won't work. Maybe the dynamic will totally change. You'll become like a hotshot Texan. You'll always be talking about seceding. Oh, yeah. That's going to be good. Um, but you're coming back, right? Yeah, I'm coming back. Coming back. You're, just, you're there looking for houses right now. 
Yeah, I'm coming back. Um, but by the time this airs, I will have actually perma- have moved permanently moved. And here's something we can look out for, Tanner. What? I don't think this is going to happen. But if any of the babysitters leave, I don't understand why that in would future books will know that Anne did this to us. You you moving away, Anne would see as a slight, and she would punish us for that. Right. Okay. That and seems, take away one of our favorites. Seems petty. It's just, I've come to She's know gonna Anne. take away Christy? Christy's the lifeblood of the Babysitter's Club. That's what happens, man. Or it could be Claudia. I don't know who it's going to be, but I have come to know Anne over reading these now 60 Babysitter's Club books. And she is vindictive. It's an eye for an eye with Anne. She is Old Testament all the way. Okay. So well, you fuck with Anne, she fucks with you back. Well, and how she, about this then? Yeah. I have a I have a solution. Okay. Don't move. <laughs> to save the babysitters? To keep the seven? Yes. Stay in New York and everything will be fine. All right, I'll take it under advisement. I'll talk to I'll talk to Sarah about it. Um with all that big news out of the way, I feel like it's time to introduce this podcast. Oh boy. Hi hi. Hi. And welcome to the Babysitters Club Club. Club. A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard, and I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of Princeton's own Anne Matthews Martin, Stormborn, uh, Bats Bane, Stormwalker, Stormwalker, Sanctified, Sanctified, I think that's it, Uh, first of her name, last of her kind, last hope for humankind, right, Uh, author of The Great Sitter Cycle, which Tanner and I are reading book by book, week by week. And this week, we have reached book number 60. 60. A book that we have Mary been looking forward Anne's to. Makeover. Mary Ann's Makeover. And what a what a scorcher. What a fantastic fucking novel this was. I liked it. Um, Pete Black shows up, and he's such a baller. And, like, frankly, I think more of Don now. Yeah. Because she has aligned herself with Pete Black. They're yeah. an item now, Baby Nation. Oh, I so hope so. I just wrote down, Don's going on a date with Pete Black to the January Jamboree. They are perfect for each other. Yeah, they are perfect for one another. You get Anne and Pete together. They come up with zany ideas like this. And as soon as you see it, you're like, yep, that is a perfect match. Yeah, of course. Um, Why don't we think of this sooner? We had Don wasting her time with Louis Bruno. And we had Pete Black wasting his time with... Lane. Lane Cummings, right. Yeah. Embarrassing. Embarrassing for both of you. But now that you found one another, I'm glad that you're together. Yeah, I hope that lasts. Uh, I didn't love seeing Stacy and Sam still together. They also go to the January Jamboree. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't love it either. Sam, you're in high school, dude. Like, don't go to the fucking middle school dance with Stacy. It's not a good look. Yeah, who are you, Carlos? (laughs) Yeah, Carlos Mendez. Carlos Mendez. What a legend. I hope that dude shows up again. We're dropping a lot of names and a lot of hints into what happened in this book, but we're not actually saying anything. There's one more thing I want to talk about before we do our descriptions that I think is also Pete Larange's is they reference in this book what I now know to be a Logan point of view book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I captured that too. I thought we missed another um, super special maybe. Yeah, so the reference is... Once, Logan had to become a regular BSC member when Don went to Los Angeles for a few weeks. And when his football teammates found out, they were awful to him. I looked this up. There is a book called Logan Bruno, Boy Babysitter. And 
the blurb for it sounds fucking great. I'm gonna read what's it to the, you. Real what's fast. the imprint? Wait, wait. What's the imprint? It's Scholastic. No. What's the What's the the other world? The other verse. I don't. I mean, I think it's, it's BSC. It's not. A, it's no, not we would have read it. Oh yeah, you're right. I don't know what the other verse is. Maybe it's a standalone, like the Christmas special. Well, we gotta read that. Yeah, we gotta read it. Let Let me read this to you. You're gonna fucking love it. Okay. Poor Logan. The kids at school are always busting him for being a boy babysitter. And then Logan blows a track event that causes SMS to lose the meat. He's feeling pretty bummed. Logan begins hanging out with T-Jam, the coolest guy in school. Oh, he sounds like the coolest guy (laughs) in school. And soon gets into such deep trouble that even Marianne and the babysitters cannot help him. T-Jam. <laughs> T-Jam. If I, call, if I start calling you text, you have to start calling me T-Jam. 100%. That's a fucking deal, T-Jam. Okay, cool. Baby Nation, start calling me T-Jam. Yeah, Baby Nation, start calling me Tex. Okay, but mine's more important. Okay, they're both pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how about uh, we describe this book for the Baby Nation? Yes. Sound good to you? Do you want to go first? Yeah, why don't Today? I go first? Yeah, and then if I miss something, you can fill in the details. You'll miss a lot of things. You're pretty bad at this, yeah. All right, well, I'm going to start now. Good, do it. I don't care. Okay, good. I was going to, and then you interrupted me. You know what's cool is now that we're on separate isolated audio tracks, I can just talk Uh, over you. No, I won't like that. The whole time you're doing your thing, I can just like sit and make fun of you. I'm not going to like that. And then you can just clip me out of the, the final track. I don't want that. How about you pay attention to the thing that I'm saying? Okay. Okay, ready? I'm going to begin now. There's no time like the present. Dumb. When you're building a time machine in your basement. Dumb. That's a dumb thing to say. At least that's what Stony Brook's resident science prodigy, Carolyn Arnold, thinks. Even if her friend Marianne laughs at her about it. Yeah, dumb. When everything starts changing around Marianne. He took off his headphones. From her friends to her boyfriend to her own appearance. She doesn't think things are quite so funny after all. Jack, you can't hear me right now. And when the time machine in Carolyn's basement starts to change as well, Carolyn and Marianne both begin to see that meddling with a perfectly good time like the present... You're a very good friend. ...or the past... Uh, I'll miss you dearly when you move to Austin. ...may not be such a great idea after all. You know, I think... I'm glad we have this podcast that kind of... Because another odd thing about time... Keep us, uh... Keep us talking. ...is that you can really take it for granted. Keep us connected while you're out out there. Until you're running... Uh, out of it. And I hope you come back. Mary Ann's makeover. What'd you think? Loved it. <laughs> I had to take my headphones off because there was like some audio interference. Was there? Yeah. I wonder if we're like picking up a straight cell phone oh. signal or something. Yeah, it was It was really like high-pitched and nasal and an- super fucking annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you think, Tanner? Did you listen to what I said? You did Loved it. I loved it. Okay, good. I thought it was so good. Really? Yeah. That means a lot. Thanks. Wait, don't you thank me. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do, do you want to describe this book for us now? Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a chore. This is like literally the best Babysitter's Club book you and I have read in a long ass time. It was good not, as hell. I'm not acting as though it's a chore. I'm acting as though it's my duty. Okay. It is your fucking duty. I'm taking it seriously. And it's also your duty to like put on a goddamn smile and do your job. Otherwise, I'm it's smiling. I'm looking at you on. Well, I can't tell actually. No, that's not a smile. Um, it's, a, it's a coy, it's a sly smile. Okay, fine. Well, you can the, see the smile just kissing the little corners of my lips here. That's no, that's disgusting. Look, um, look, 
Oh yeah, I can see it now. I yeah. can see it now. You look you actually look great. Thank you. Um a lot of the baby nation have not read this book or have not read it in a long time. Okay. And they they're going to need you to fill them in on some of the details that I may have missed. I wanted you to do that in 60 seconds. Okay. And I'm going to start that timer right now. Oh god. Um Okay, so Marianne decides that she – it's a new year, new you, Marianne. She decides that she's going to uh, start making bold choices in her life. She, The first choice she makes is she's flipping through a magazine at a meeting at one of Claude's fashion magazines and sees a girl in the magazine, a model with short hair, and she's like, I'm going to have short hair. Uh, it's She describes it as a bowl cut in the front and short in the back, um, which sounds dumb, but – I guess it worked. She goes, she asks her dad, her dad says it's okay. They go to Washington Mall. They have a whole daddy-daughter fun time day at the mall. She gets a total makeover, makeup, uh, haircut, new clothes. She goes to school. Everyone loves it. All the babysitters club hates it. They hate it. Dawn especially. Dawn is jealous because Richard took Mariana, but not Dawn. Um, she keeps encountering resistance from everyone except for the kids at school who all think she's really rad and cool now. Um, Jack, uh, Jack's connection went down on my phone, so, uh, I'm kind of flying blind here, but, um, I'm going to assume that I'm still well within my 60 seconds. Um, Logan loves it. Marianne kind of withdraws from the club. Uh, she spends more time with Logan and starts talking to kids at school a lot more, uh, now the call has failed, so I'm just really, I have no idea what's going on. It's just me now, um, but I'm going to still assume that I'm well within my 60 seconds. Uh, I can't see or hear Jack, so who knows what's going to go on. Okay, Jack's trying to call me, but I'm still doing my description. Uh, so, and then, um, let's see. So she, she all the babysitters club are fighting with her. She's withdrawn from all of them. Um, and at the end... Uh, she finally kind of, she starts skipping meetings and all that stuff. And at the end, she finally kind of gives in and apologizes to them and they apologize to her and everything is good. And they go to the, uh, winter hop together with, uh, Logan. Um, and there's all these rumors that she's going to go with a 10th grade boy from high school, uh, named Carlos Mendez, but it's just a rumor and that's it. Time. Woo. Our call dropped in the middle of that. I know. I just kept going. Yeah. I'm glad you did. That was, that's like, so I probably had like. I don't know if that was a I don't know if that was a fair sixty seconds, but I'll take it. It almost certainly wasn't because it sounded like you got to the end of it. Yeah. Well, look, baby nation, it is not an accident that time is fucking with us today. No. Well, time's not. FaceTime is. FaceTime is fucking Face with us today. Time. Yeah. Our faces. God's time. Is that what <laughs> it's short for? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Can I just tell you right now what my theory of this book is and ask you whether, in fact, it is also true for you? Sure. Logan has been trying to destabilize the Babysitter's Club f- since he started. Okay. And break them apart. He has finally, this week, figured out that the best way to do that is to fuck with the fabric of time itself. That is why Carolyn is building a time machine in her basement. Oh yeah, Carolyn. I forgot the B plot. Fuck! I had oh, like I had bitch. like four minutes, and I still forgot the B plot. Carolyn and Marilyn, the twins, the Arnold twins, are building a time machine in their basement. Oh, no. Okay, Jack. Jack just cut out again. 
I'm back. I'm back. Uh, so Carolyn and Marilyn, the Arnold twins. Okay, it's reconnecting. Uh, Carolyn and Marilyn, uh, the, the Carolyn and Marilyn, the Arnold twins are uh, building a time machine in their basement, and they're charging kids a dollar a pop to um, go back into the past. And the, the babysitters are actually kind of worried because Carolyn had just seen Back to the Future, and she's so into this that it's like almost convincing them that even though it's just toilet paper and like cardboard crates and stuff like that. They all seem to think that uh, Carolyn may actually be building a time machine, if you can believe it. Um, so that's that's kind of the B plot that I missed in my first synopsis. Okay, Jack's back. Hey. Hey, I can't see you. Here I am. While we were gone, I quickly did another uh, tight thirty seconds on the B plot, yeah. Carolyn and Marilyn. You son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> So That's that, so fucking unfair. You were using all of this shit against your own obligation. No, to I'm, describe I'm the plot taking advantage seconds. of a broken system. Okay. Your fault for moving well, to Texas, dick. Um, okay. So do you feel me on that as a theory? Yeah. Can I, can I? There's something that supports it, too. What? Maybe you noticed this, but they mentioned over and over again in a really super weird way, in an abnormal for these books way the time of year and how cold it was and what the weather was. Totally. There's a bunch of other shit that happens that's like that. I've got a few of them. Uh, it begins with Marianne saying, I had just made a New Year's resolution to be the best person I could be in all possible ways. The last New Year's resolution that Marianne made was in the novel Dawn's Big Date, Babysitter's Club number 50, just 10 books ago. Like an entire year has passed somehow. Time is fucking coming unstuck. Here's another one. Do you remember uh, Marianne and her dad, Mr. Spear? Yeah. Richard, go to the mall for a daddy daughter day yeah. where the makeover happens. And one of the like subplots of the daddy daughter day is that they're watching a jazz band in the mall. Oh, yeah. And they're laughing because the drummer keeps making these weird noises. Right. As he's drumming, he keeps going, eh, eh. And Marianne and Mr. Spear are laughing about Very it. Very sexual. She brings, is that, was that sexual? It just Should I do it? No, don't it just do says, it again. Definitely don't do it again. It says E-H-E-H. Eh. 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 Okay, that's weird now. It's, now, it's weird with you doing it as well. <laughs> you don't like doing it as a call and response? <laughs> no, I don't like it as a call and response. But here's the thing. Why is a drummer making those noises? He's having trouble keeping time. Yeah. Well, Jazz, uh, Jack, we know this from our own podcast. Jazz isn't about yeah. keeping time. Right. Jazz, Jazz is, is about, about just going with the feeling, you know? <laughs> Seeing where the, the mood takes you. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I hated it. I didn't like it at all. All right. So no more Jazz. And no more doing um, that. Okay. And no more doing that. We're going to so those... have to put a mature rating on this podcast if we keep <laughs> doing Making... sexual grunts. <laughs> So those are two fucking things that are going on. The biggest temporal shift that happens in this book, I'm sure you picked up on it, Sabrina Oh, Bouvier. yeah. Sabrina Bouvier is back. When's the last time we saw her? Little Miss Stonybrook and Dawn? The last time we saw Sabrina fucking Bouvier is book number 11. Anyway, whatever. Early book. Little Miss Stonybrook and Dawn. And uh, she was Sab a contestant in the little miss Stonybrook contest a contest right. for five to eight year olds okay um in this book sabrina bouvier is back but now she's marianne's age right and she's like the coolest kid in school i think it's, it's all 
I mean, this is obviously Amber Theory at work here. Right. Baby Nation Amber Theory is our theory that these girls and most of Stony Brook is trapped in a temporal bubble, like mosquitoes trapped in amber from the Jurassic period, uh, Mm -hmm. which happened after book 10 when Anne in the Happy Reading section admitted that from book 10 on, she had frozen time in the Babysitter's Club universe. And it's not an accident, I think, that it was book 10 that that happened, and it was 10 books ago the last time we celebrated a new year. Well, and it's no coincidence either that book 10 is when we met Logan Logan. Bruno. Snake in the grass. Snake in the grass. Let me read to you, Tanner, a passage from this book that I imagine you took down as well, which is the first time that Logan is talked about in this novel. Okay. Logan was definitely on my mind as I stared out the Arnold's kitchen window. Frost had made an oval frame on each window pane. This is what I'm talking about, Pete Larangis' fucking beautiful lyrical prose. Yeah. He really, he really goes the extra mile. Frost had made an oval frame on each window pane, and icicles hung down like fangs. Uh, no, it, it wasn't the fangs that made me think of Logan. <laughs> Good save, Marianne. Yeah, good save, Marianne. Of course it's the fucking fangs. And Logan plays this weird role in this book. Marianne gets completely separated from the BSC. Right. She gets a makeover, and for some reason everyone just loses their mind. She gets her hair cut short, and it's honestly one of the biggest crises we've ever seen with the babysitters. They immediately are like, we're done. That We're not sitting at lunch table together anymore. You're fucking dead to us. Right. And Logan plays this weird role throughout where all the babysitters are like, your hair looks terrible. And Logan is like, I really do like your hair, Marianne, but that shouldn't matter. You're the one who has to like it. If it makes you feel good, that's what counts. And he is like playing this weird role that is like, oh, your hair looks great, Marianne. There's nothing wrong with your makeover where you're abandoning all your friends. Right. Like, it's cool. And suddenly Logan is the only person she's sitting with at lunch. It's what he's always fucking wanted. Is well, he's, to get the... he's tempting her away, like the snake right. in the Garden of Eden. He's like, oh, don't worry about it, Eve. Like, God doesn't want you to eat this apple, but, like, it's all about what makes you happy, Eve. Wouldn't you be happy exactly. having original sin and all the knowledge of God? Yeah, that is exactly fucking right. And this week, this monster is trying to do it by, like, changing the fabric of time itself. Yeah, well, so what I was worried about was, like, she is so quickly and widely accepted by all of Stony Brook and all of Stony Brook Middle School, and frankly, a good portion of Stony Brook High School. There's this boy named Carlos Mendez who's, yeah, like, he seems like a real hot player. to trot with Marianne. Yeah. He loves her new look. He really wants to go to the high school dance with her, not the, the winter yeah. fling, but... Everyone is so quick to jump on the Marianne bandwagon, except for the BSC, that it made me think that maybe it's not Stony Brook that's trapped in amber. Right. Maybe it's literally just the BSC. Oh, God, that makes so much fucking sense. And that's why, like, Sabrina Bouvier has just grown up. We essentially never hear from anyone else outside of the intimate circle of the BSC. Right. Other than a few players like Pete Black and Cokie Mason. Uh Meanwhile, all of these people who, like, we just don't even know what the fuck they're up to, like Sabrina Bouvier, are growing up at their own pace in real time. Right. The reason everyone else immediately, like, 
accepted and and celebrated this new Marianne was because she's like she's a, a regular like adult growing up just like everyone else. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing Anne doesn't want. I have created this Eden for you. I've created this paradise for you. Right. And the only thing I ask in return is that you never change. You never grow up. Um can I can I read you a passage? Yeah. From book ten, Logan likes Marianne. Which is the pivotal book in this series. This is this is from the happy reading section. Okay. It was while I was writing this book that I realized a year had passed in the lives of the BSC characters. Marianne was the last of the original club members to turn 13, and the series was still going strong. So my editors and I decided that the characters would have remained this age. Looking back now, I realized that this was a good decision. If the girls had continued to get older, they would be college graduates by now. Instead, they're in middle school forever. Happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> like, saying happy reading is what Anne says when she's just dropped a fucking bomb on you. It reminds me of in, maybe I've already said this before, but it reminds me of in West Wing when, yeah. like, Josh Lyman gets shot and, like, everyone's rushing to his side. And like yeah. the sad music is playing over him lying and bleeding out on the streets of Washington D.C., and then right. it, it smash cut to credits, and it's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's like this has happened before, like in Claudia and the Sad Goodbye. It was like sometimes people die. In this book, I killed Claudia's beloved grandma. Anyway, happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs> but Jack, book ten right here, it's the girls. Yeah. It's the girls. It's just the girls. I think we, we may missed have that before. Stumbled upon something here. It's just the girls. Right. The seven. It also explains why Richard Spear is all of a sudden so cool. I mean, he's not cool. He's he's not cool at all. He <laughs> brings um, calculators to restaurants with him so that he can double check their tip math. Um, yeah. When he goes to Chinese restaurants with his family, the Chinese restaurant knows to bring him a fork instead of chopsticks. They bring everyone else chopsticks and they bring him a fork. So he's not cool. He's not a cool dude, but like, no, this is, this is the most accepting he's been of Marianne growing up and changing. And it's yeah. because like this whole time, these last 60 books, he's been like growing and changing and evolving. Right. But Marianne hasn't, she's still the same 13 year old girl. So he's fucking in on it. No, and this is like in on it. I think he's confused. Why isn't this girl growing? Dude, think about it though. Like, the thing about Mr. Spear from day one has been that he doesn't want his baby girl to grow up because he can't face her turning into the beloved wife that he's lost. Right. Do you think that this is some fucking deal that he made? Don't you think that makes sense? From the beginning, he was like, Marianne can never grow up. She has to wear pigtails. She has to put, like, posters in her room that only a kid would have about, like, Disney princesses and shit. Like, and I'm never going to let you change. And then all of a sudden he's like, oh, it's okay. You can change. And he's like, sure, you can get a haircut. I don't care. I don't care. That's fine. Now I'm fine with it. Now I'm super cool with it. You're still going to be 13. I don't know, man. That's That fucking adds up to me. Don't you think that Mr. Spe like, I fucking liked Richard Spear, and then he got creepy and weird. I don't like the idea of these characters coming into our world. Yeah. And controlling things in our world. And what you just said implies that Richard Spear has some kind of influence over Anne. Right. Or made a deal with her. Yeah, I don't like thinking about it. it. Yeah. Marianne is completely turned around. And it changes her personality, too. Well, yeah. 
which is a bummer because Marianne, like, she's so conflict averse that she just completely right. withdraws. Like, she just stops going to Babysitter's Club meeting. She stops hanging out with them. She stops eating lunch with them because she's convinced yeah. that they all are, like, upset with her and hate her. But, like, see it from their point of view. It's like she gets a cool haircut and everyone starts being nice to her and then she stops hanging out with you. Yeah. Can I be honest for a second? I wish you would. Um, this book made me fucking hate Marianne. That's not the first time you've said that. I know. I feel betrayed. Like, Marianne was always, when I was a young man and read these books, Marianne was always the babysitter I identified with because uh-huh. she's literary and she's, like, nerdy and she's bookish and she's shy. But Marianne has done this before. Like, every time some small thing happens that, like, causes a little bit of coldness between her and the babysitters. Right. Like, this time, she got a makeover and, like, the reactions weren't as intense as she thought they were going to be. People right. were like, oh, it looks it looks cool. And instead of being like, hey, guys, uh, what like, what's going on here? Why you guys seem bummed out about this? What's what's up? Like she immediately jumps to, oh, OK, now I'm not friends with any of these people ever again. And I will never speak to them. And I'm not going to sit with them at the lunch table. And I'm going to literally avoid my own sister in my house. And that's that. Like, right. I guess I'm best friends with Sabrina fucking Bouvier now. Yeah. Like, well, fuck you, Marianne. Like, what the fuck is that? No, I agree with you. Marianne was pretty pretty bad in this book. Yeah. Dawn wasn't good either. Marianne is, like, uncharacteristically, like, pretty nasty in this book, too. Yeah. Can I read you a passage? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, it also just happens to be my... <gasps> <gasps> I felt so right. Did it feel right to you? It oh. synced up in my world. It didn't sync up with me at all, but it was <laughs> it was fine. Uh, eh. Marianne and Dawn eh. are... Eh. 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 Oh, stop it. Okay, I didn't like it anymore. That's how we'll sync up from now on, <laughs> at the beginning of these episodes. We'll just try to like coordinate our... Eh. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Oh, I don't like it. No, that's not good. Okay, stop it. I wish I hadn't done it. Okay, carry on. Marianne and Dawn are fighting. Marianne's fighting with everybody. Um... And she tries to, like, have a conversation with Dawn about, like, why they're angry with one another and what the big fight is about. Uh, And Dawn is kind of icy to her and says, like, "Uh, I'm not, like, I'm surprised you want to talk to me. It seems like you've been ignoring me all week and you've been hanging out with Logan all week. Dawn gave me a withering look. I'm not the one who skips meetings and talks to her boyfriend every minute of the day. Well, I'm not the one who gets jealous because of a haircut and some clothes. Jealous? Me? Jealous of you? Dream on, Marianne. Dawn stomped down to the bottom of the stairs. Wait, I said. Dawn turned around. I don't have time to listen to you. I didn't have the whole evening to lounge around the house and admire my boy haircut and clown makeup. (laughs) Already pretty good burn. Yeah, that's a fucking good-ass burn. But here's the best burn. Yeah. Oh, go choke on an alfalfa sprout. (laughs) Yeah, is what Marianne says good. back to, yeah. to Don. Yeah, it's good. Uh, it's it's a good burn, Baby Nation. If you're looking for a good burn on a vegetarian, yeah, tell that, him to go choke uh, on an alfalfa sprout. In fact, as, in Baby Nation, uh, Jack is betraying all of us by moving to Texas. If all of you just want to like get on Twitter and just <laughs> at ex president and just tell him to go choke on an alfalfa sprout, that would make me feel a lot better. Okay, fine, fine. But if you do. Please address me by my new name, which is Tex. Hey, Tex, go choke on an alfalfa sprout. Yeah. That's good. 
yeah, there's some sick fucking burns in this book. Um, and that, yeah, uh, Marianne really fucking gets her. I'm trying to think what my burn was. Did you have my one? Turn? Yeah, yeah, you can go. To, um, my burn is a quick one. Okay. Uh, Marianne gets a makeover. Yep. That's the whole uh, point of she, this book, bud. She gets her haircut like a fucking model. She looks great. She not only gets her haircut, but she buys like the most expensive dress at this place called Steve's. No, it's called... Steve Wasn't it called S? like Steve E or something like that? Stephen Steve e. e. Yeah. So it's a very fancy store, and she gets like a super sleek dress from that as well. Then she gets her fucking makeup done, uh, and she looks good as hell. And everybody is like turning heads. Carlos Mendez, literal 10th grader. We haven't even, we have not met a single 10th grader in 60 books. No. Uh, literally like, 10th we're, grader. We're, I'm not sure we've, this is maybe like the first mention of. Stony Brook High School outside of Janine Kishi. Yeah, I think that's true. She's looking good. She's walking down the fucking hallways and, like, music is blasting and everybody's, like, turning their heads. Like, who the hell is that? Right. Like, god damn, she's beautiful. Except one person. Who's that? Yeah, what happened to you? Says Alan Gray. Hello, Alan. I said calmly. Well, at least they didn't scalp off your voice box, was Alan's witty response. Uh-huh. Alan fucking Gray. Oh, is the that's yours. One. That's it. Okay, so what happened here is I took the good burn. <laughs> you don't like that? That's good as hell, man. It barely makes sense. <laughs> it's kind of nonsense. Well, at least they didn't scalp off your voice box, too. I think maybe Alan doesn't really get human anatomy. <laughs> it's not it's think, not at the top. The voice box is here in your throat. You got scalped. Marion got well, scalped. Well, she didn't. She got a haircut. So already a problem. One, she didn't get scalped, she got a haircut. Two But to Alan that seems like a scalping. Okay, but the, okay, so let's, let's take that as right. Let's take that as right. That, that Alan thinks that that's what a scalping is. But mm-hmm. he's still wrong about where a voice box is. So even if he did think she got scalped, you would have to be decapitated. Right. To also have your voice box taken. Yeah. Well, so, and that's why Alan is is glad that didn't happen. I just He's like way off. Yeah. All right. Well, so that's Pete's fault, man. You can't put this on me. Why is that Pete's fault? Pete wrote this joke, man. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant Pete Black. No, Pete Larangis. <laughs> <laughs> Call him Mr. Larangis. Don't you dare <laughs> assume of fault. familiarity with him. Yeah. So that's a hot burn of the week. That's what I think. Good. So Apparently, one good burn, no. one bad burn. At least they didn't scalp off your voice box, asshole. I wish you would. Um, I'm out of notes. I have a TM. Hang on, wait. I've got a joke I want to say. Okay, Um, great. Now go change your pants. Me. Yeah. It's four episodes ago. That was a bird of the week. But it's something you can say when you burn someone so good. Yeah. And then they're like, what? Oh, what am I going to do? And then you say, now go change your pants. Baby Nation, when you tweet Jack to <laughs> Tech. tell him to Text. go choke on alfalfa, uh, yeah. make sure you, you put a little stinger on there. T- tweet him right back immediately. Reply to your own tweet and say, "Yeah, now go change your pants. Now go change your fucking pants. <laughs> um, I want to talk about one other thing, which is related to this idea of Logan being the snake in the grass again. Okay. Um, and the fact that there is so much resonance in this book with 
book number 10, Logan Likes Marianne, mm-hmm. which is the first book where Logan is introduced as the snake in the grass. We've already seen that he is described in terms of someone with fangs right? when this book starts. And we've already seen that very clearly he is trying to separate Marianne from the pack, like right. a weak gazelle yep. in this book, try to get her out of the babysitter's club so that the seven are no longer one and the whole thing is destabilized and he can do whatever nefarious shit he's been planning since the beginning. Mm-hmm. What I noticed goes back to our old friend, Babysitter's Club art director, Hodges. Oh, Swallow. no. Wait, I don't... Okay. Have a look, Tanner, if you can, at the cover for this book. Okay, I've got it. Tell me what you see. Okay. I'm looking at a picture. Clearly, this this photo has been taken inside of Stony Brook Middle School. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the foreground, we have Marianne in... Um, colorful leggings mm-hmm. and a pink men's Oxford. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's laughing and smiling and with his arm around her is Logan Bruno also laughing and smiling. Uh, and they're kind of walking to towards the camera. Okay. Away from uh, three of the babysitters club, Dawn, Christy, and Claudia who are in the back with their arms crossed looking uh, scandalized. And what does Claudia have around her neck? A very large, very prominent crucifix. (laughs) Very noticeable. Get thee behind me, Logan. Hodges. Also, this, as far as I know... Does not happen in this book. <laughs> no, this Hodges is getting scene never actually happens. No, and that's a, that's a Hodges special, right? But he doesn't like to paint shit that happens in the book. He likes to paint shit that you need to know about, right? And what Hodges painted today was the th- three of the four original babysitters holding a crucifix against the man who's Who literally like s- stealing away their Marianne. Yeah. Thanks thanks Hodges, thanks Anne, thanks yeah. Pete. You guys really painted like a very clear picture for us. We should be paying way closer to attention to Hodges. I feel like he's the only yeah. one who's like speaking truth to power. Yeah. <laughs> he's got all these subversive messages happening in these books. I think Hodges is like we make this big joke of of coming up with all these zany theories about this series of books, but like Hodges was doing Yaoman's work like well before we ever got to these books. I mean, this is what we've known about Hodges for a while. I don't know if he's a force for good or a force for evil, but like, I think he's on it's our very side, clear. Man. I, think, I think he's one of us. He sees in these books what is beneath the surface, and he has since the beginning. He's trying to tell us something. He's trying to warn us. Right. That's Spooky a big cross. Yeah, it's a huge cross. Baby Nation, we'll post a picture of this on our Facebook page and also maybe our Twitter at BSCC Podcast. Trying to get us some uh, new followers? I'm, yeah, I think so. Okay. I think it seems good. It seems good. Um, speaking of things that are unsavory, yeah, I want to read you a passage. Okay. An hour later, Sharon poked her head into my room. Oh, Marianne, when did you get back? I've been here all along, I replied. 
She scratched her head. Is it Tuesday already? I thought, no, it's Monday. I stayed home. I was trying to figure out what excuse to make when Dawn's voice shouted from downstairs. I'm home. Anybody here? Excuse me, Sharon said. She went to the stairs and shouted, I'll be right down. Then she turned back into my room and said, Marianne, have you seen the spaghetti tongs? <laughs> They're on the towels <laughs> on, in the linen closet, I told her. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Sharon left and I got ready for dinner. Sharon, Sharon, what you and Mr. Spear do in the bedroom is up to you. Or in the linen closet. Or in the fucking linen closet. But don't bring Dawn and Marianne they into this. They have their this. own problems right now, Sharon. It's They don't need so to hear about your weird. disgusting <laughs> food fetish. <laughs> like, you know what Sharon and, and Richard Spear do? Is they just, like, they use that whole house. They use the whole fucking house as soon as these girls... And they know that... Marianne and Dawn are both going to be gone every fucking oh, yeah. Tuesday from 5.30 till 6 o'clock. Sharon yeah. poked her head in and she's like, oh, 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 oh. Um, <laughs> I already put the fucking spaghetti tongs in the linen closet. <laughs> Don't go in there. Yeah. Uh, we thought this room would be vacant. Um, <laughs> um, new Baby B is, uh, if this is your first episode, uh, go back and listen Sharon and uh, Richard are into some weird shit. Yeah, we call it refrigerator play. Yeah, and it's... it comes up early in this book, uh, in the first chapter where Marianne's introducing all the cast of characters. Uh, she describes her new stepmom as, she's really a wonderful person, but she's been known to leave her gloves in the freezer, her keys <laughs> in the bathroom soap dish, stuff like that. Yuck. Um, whatever. You guys, whatever. They can do whatever they want. Yeah. But don't bring Dawn. Yeah, we're not here. We're not here it. to sex shame. We're yeah. sex positive here on Babysitters Club Club. But are we're we? Not, well, we haven't discussed this as a as a philosophy. I think we're sex positive, but you yeah, and I, I are both uh, disgusted by yeah sex and refuse to talk about it or acknowledge that it ever happens. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. Listen, Baby Nation, if you're in a refrigerator play, that's cool. That's cool. That's fucking great. Even. We're not here to, to to Also, here's a fucking thought. What even are spaghetti tongs, man? You didn't have spaghetti tongs growing up? No. That's you know what they're for? They're for doing spaghetti things. Yeah, well spaghetti things is already a known euphemism in the babysitters club universe. Yeah. Um spaghetti tongs are I guess it's tongs that you use for uh spaghetti. They're they're like two little like wide tooth combs facing down. Yeah. With, oh yeah, with a tong on it, and you can like scoop up spaghetti with it. Oh, that sounds painful in the context of a sexual act. <laughs> um, um, I've got one other note, and it's about dinosaurs. Did you write down this note about dinosaurs? No, I I read it and I scanned past it, thinking like I don't know what to make of this. Well, it's just this. So Hunter uh, is Logan's brother, and maybe Hunter. this is why. Hunt, Hunter. Hunter. We've talked about Hunter in the past. He's a tragic character. Hunter is a tragic character who is like one of the the like most tragic victims of Anne's cavalier decision to trap all of these characters in amber. Right. Because Hunter, when Anne made the choice that they would no longer age, Hunter happened to have a really bad cold. Yeah. 
And so now Hunter permanently has a cold. Right. Like, that's just how he is. Um, And so there's a moment where Marianne calls up Logan and Hunter answers. Hi, Hunter, I said. Barry Ed. Hunter squealed. Logan, Logan, it's Barry Ed. Barry Ed, I got a dinosaur backpack today. I think what happened here is that Hunter, in his fucking desperation at having been saddled with this nightmare permanent allergy slash cold has finally given up, turned his face away from the light and joined the dinosaurs. What, what, what does he stand to gain from doing that? Nothing like the thing about the dinosaurs and, and new baby bees, the dinosaurs are one of the more shadowy, and marginal factions in Stony Brook that's fighting for control. Uh, the demons are the faction that Logan controls and which we've been mostly focused on. Uh, but the dinosaurs have a lot of sway, and you can listen to earlier episodes to get a sense of where they come from. But the one thing we know about them is, A, that they're not literal dinosaurs, uh, and B, that the one thing they are committed to is chaos. Right. Um, and that's what he stands to gain, right? Like he's like, he's suffering. He's permanently suffering. So right. why not turn your face away from the light and just like embrace the chaos? The demons are lawful evil, right. but the dinosaurs are chaotic evil. Right. Um, so I don't know, like that worries me that like, this is a Bruno, right? This is Logan's oh, yeah. brother. Shit. I didn't think it was significant until you reminded me that it is actually a Bruno. Right. Um, so there's there's some kind of a schism within that family. Right. It's something to keep an eye on. It's something that's troubling. Uh, it's something that also, and I don't want to fucking, I don't want to talk too much shit on Anne. We'd love Anne. She's a literal saint. But she's created this world, this little fucking snow globe, where bad things are happening because of her leadership, because of what she's chosen to do with these people. Right. Like, this is her choice. Anne did this. I mean, there's no other way of seeing it, right? I mean, or to go back to the beginning of what we were talking about, maybe Mr. Spear did this. Oh, I, He's just, like thought a- of, I just thought of something very spooky. Okay. What if Mr. Spear mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. Logan Bruno? What? How? There's a lot of time travel in this book, Carolyn and... And Marilyn are sending people into the near past and distant future. Uh, Carolyn builds a time machine in the basement of the Arnold's house. What if Mr. Spear, sick with grief over the death of his wife, oh my God, went to that time machine and sent himself back into the past and is protecting his uh, sweet daughter? I don't know. God, it's so confusing. This is what happens when you fuck with time travel, Anne. I think maybe Logan is Marianne is her own mom. Yeah, obviously, obviously, and God, Logan obviously. is Mister Spear. Okay, and Logan used Carolyn's time machine and went forward into the future to 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 watch over Marianne and make sure that nothing bad happened to her because he was trying to save her from her own inevitable demise. Death. Right. So now he's got he's got two different eyes on her. He's got himself, Logan, and he's got future right. Logan, Mr. Spear. 
Oh, God, that's horrifying. Do you think that's possible at all? It's possible, and it's also, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to give Mr. Spear the benefit of the doubt in all of this, but the fact that Logan is trying to separate Marianne from the BSC, is it possible that the BSC is what leads to the demise of Marianne slash Mrs. Spear slash the last book of this series, The Fire at Marianne's House? It could be. If you if you really connect all the dots, yeah, that's it's a strong possibility. Happy reading. Happy reading. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about something that's a little less grim. Okay, and it is my <gasps> baller of the week. What? Throughout this whole book, there's this rumor yeah. flying around Stony Brook Middle School that a boy from Stony Brook High School named Carlos Mendez, Mendez. is yeah. a 10th grade boy who's like super into Marianne. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabrina Bouvier uh, spreads this rumor a lot, but and it actually cause, causes a rift between Logan and Marianne for a little while because Logan finds out about it and he won't talk to her and like... Eventually they call and she's like, that's just a rumor. I don't know who Carlos Mendez is. He has right. not asked me to the high school winter dance. Even if he did, I would say no. Don't worry about right. it. Uh, so Logan and, and Marianne end up going to the Stony Brook Middle School dance together, as do all the, the other Babysitter's Club uh, girls. Uh, and this is after they've made up. Everyone's having a really good time. The four of us moved onto the dance floor. For the second time, I caught a glimpse of Sabrina and her date, Sabrina looked about 20 years old, and so did her date. He was very tall, with thick black hair and dark, handsome features. Dawn noticed them too. Who's that guy? she asked, dancing close to Logan and me. I don't know, I said. Suddenly, Logan, Dawn, and I all stopped dancing at once. We turned to each other with identical, wide-eyed expressions on our faces. Pete stared at us as if we had lost our minds. Carlos! We all said in unison. <laughs> and here's, here's the baller of the week moment. Yeah. At the other end of the room, Sabrina's date looked around. Then he smiled, shrugged his shoulders, <laughs> and continued dancing. Uh, he fucking heard it. them. Yeah. And then this, like, in this, like, sitcom opening, like, move. <laughs> yeah. Like, he just noticed the camera behind him. And he, like, looks around. And he's like, what? What you going to do? Yeah. And just keeps he, dancing. He has no context for it. He just hears five eighth graders he does, he, like, all whispering, shouting his from name. From the at other the same side time. of the room. Yeah. And he's like, eh, that's right. Carlos Mendez did it again, <laughs> dating Sabrina Bouvier, little Miss Stony Brook herself. <laughs> is she is she five? Is she fourteen? Who knows? Who can say? Time is completely out of whack here. Yeah, it's just collapsed. They're both 20. They're at the January Jamboree. And uh, Carlos is doing just kind of typical cool guy moves of shrugging a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good as hell. Yeah. Carlos Mendez. Supersonic hearing, cool as hell. Yeah. Looks yeah. 20, is only 16, goes out with 14-year-olds, I guess. Um, How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? I feel like we're, we're doing good. There. Doing it's good. It feels like it's time to, to wrap up a little bit. I got, I got a quick question for you. Yeah. Did you cry? Did I have a... Tearful moment! Oh, now we do it quiet? It felt right. Yeah, that feels right. Tearful moment.
Um, did you? Yeah. Did, did you cry? Yeah. Okay, hit me. What, what What made you cry this week, Tanner? It was Marilyn and Carolyn. Carolyn spends the entire book constructing building a fucking time machine. Something we haven't focused machine. on enough. Uh, and she she's just like putting her whole heart and soul into it, and by the end, kind of convinces herself that this time machine is going to work. Uh, and goes around the neighborhood like collecting dollar bills from all of her friends so that they can come and go into the time machine. And she does this like big like spectacle song and dance. She has Christy come over with Jenny Prezioso. Prezioso. And her sister Marilyn is there and she decides to let her twin sister Marilyn kind of have the first go. And Marilyn goes into the time machine and she's like doing all the like song and dance and there's lights going off and she's like flipping levers and there's there's like a Halloween music soundtrack playing and like she kind of has this like crazed like nervous look in her eyes and Marianne kind of like pulls her aside as she's doing all this and she's like, hey, um, Carolyn, what do you think is going to happen here? And Carolyn's just like, nothing. I was so convinced that this was going to work that I didn't really plan for what would happen if it didn't work. Yeah. Now comes the most difficult part, Carolyn went on. To bring her back, we must position the flux capacitor at exactly the spot of electronic uh, uh, flux. She turned her back and screamed. We are! We are! Now you're coming back and... and Poof! She paused solemnly on the curtain, then yanked it open. And there she is, living proof, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah! We clapped and cheered and stamped our feet. And Marilyn stood up, wide-eyed and ecstatic. Like Dorothy seeing the Emerald City for the first time. It... it was amazing. I had this big, frilly dress and the... Organ Grinder's monkey danced for me, and I saw this incredible ballet dancer named Mikinski, and she went on and on. I could see the happiness playing across Carolyn's face, even underneath the goggles. Her time machine actually worked. Her time machine worked, and Marilyn was a good sister. And this is a very Anne thing to do. Marilyn is being a good sister and pretending like she went back in time, right? Which is beautiful. Or she went back in time. That fucking time machine worked. She Where else is she time. pulling the name McKinsky from? Um, it's a beautiful moment. Do you have one this week? I a thing that got me that is predictable. It's what used to get me, and it still gets me. It's right after Marion gets her haircut, and Mister Spear seems a little dubious about the haircut because his little girl's grown up. Marion says, "Oh, thank you, Dad. Do you like it?" The important thing is, <laughs> do you like it? Why does he have no, a? That's, why does he have a? No, I did. I now I got into it. Oh, I know what you just did, Jack. I Loganed him. Yeah, I naturally Loganed him, him like an old man Logan voice. Oh God, it's wait. Isn't that an? That's an X Men thing too, right? Old man Logan. Yeah, it's what the hit film Logan is based on. Is old man Logan? Do you think these things are related? Uh, definitely not. Definitely yes. <laughs> The important thing, bub. Logan is, has do you Logan like has it? bone claws, and Mister Spear has adamantium claws. <laughs> God, how did we not notice this before? Yeah, the bone claws is what he's born with, right? But Mister Spear had to go into Project X, right? And they put Over adamantium in him against his will, and that's why he's dying now, right? All right, I'm going to start again. 
Oh, thank you, Dad. I exclaimed. Do you like it? I hate it. <laughs> I hate it when you do little voices. <laughs> I'm a voice artist. That's what we do here. That's why this is such a hit podcast. The important thing, Marianne, is do you like it? He asked. My stomach went into knots. He hadn't said yes. I, I love it, but... I felt my lower lip start to tremble. You don't like it, do you? Dad gave me a concerned look. No. I think it's wonderful, sweetheart. It makes you look like a beautiful young woman. It's just... He shrugged and tried to smile. Well, you're growing up, Marianne. That's never easy for a parent to see. Especially an old grump like me. Why is he crying, Tanner? Because he's not looking at Marianne. He's, he's looking, looking at, his dead wife. at his dead wife. It's kind of fucked up, though, in a way. It's super fucked up. Now that we know his goddamn backstory. Right. Um, Tanner, let's get the fuck out of here. I'm already home. Well, I'm going out with my new Austin best friends. So... Hate it. Hate it. This week, we read a book that was called Marianne's Makeover. Next week, we are reading a book that is called... Jesse and the Awful Secret. Oh, God. That's going to be good. This is my wife's favorite book, and I know it's... Wait, real? Yeah, she loves this one. She's don't gonna... tell me what happens. This sounds awesome. It sounds awesome. I don't know what the awful secret it's is. It's not, man. It's a tough one. Oh, it's going to be tough? It's, it's a, a bad challenging secret. book. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll work on it. But at least, we'll be, at least we'll be face-to-face next week when we record it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Next week, we're reading a book called Jesse and the Awful Secret. Please do... If you haven't already, rate and review our podcast on iTunes. It makes a big difference to us. It helps us move up in the rankings. Yep. It helps us get noticed by other people who are not yet members of the Baby Nation but might want to be members of the Baby Nation if they knew that we existed. Also, as a member of the Baby Nation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is your solemn duty. Right. We have militarized you. Yeah. You are our Minutemen on the front <laughs> lines going out and recruiting other members of the Baby Nation, uh, please go out and tell someone who doesn't listen to the show to come and do listen to the show. When you were a Babysitter's Club listener, you were an evangelist. Right. Word of mouth is the best way to spread podcasts around. So please do tell someone you know to listen to our show. This week, I've been Jack Shepard. I have been Tanner Greenring. This week, Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think the boys had just been invented. I went and did something something you can only do in New York, so you're really missing out by moving to Austin. I went and did something called shadow boxing. Oh, that sounds cool. Where I went to a dark room filled mm-hmm. with punching bags. Okay. And there was EDM music playing. Are you loud sure you EDM, want to talk about this on loud, live? Loud EDM music playing. And a woman with a little headset on yelled at me for an hour and made me punch the bag and do push-ups and do squats and do so- something called downward dog. She kept yelling at me, downward dog. Oh my God. Were you wearing a like, diaper the whole time? I don't know what that is. And here, here's the weirdest part. Pitch black. Oh my God. 
the room was pitch black. And that's just what I did for fun for an hour this morning. Ugh. And that's uh, that's what it's does just, it for you? That's what we do in New York. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>